So I grew up in a Christian environment, and I have heard a lot of Christian songs around me, whether it was by my mother, my father, or relatives, or even through the wall of my home, because the church building was on the other side of my home. So I grew up in the environment where songs and preaching was all around me. And this is why I rebelled, because watching people sing songs, watching people glorify God, watching people magnify his name, and to go back the next day and still hate one another and still be bitter about things that around them and still be hypocritical in their dealings and slander one another and laugh at one another. I could not stand that. How can you be a Christian and not practice what you preach? So I walked away. I didn't walk away in one day. It took me a couple of years. It took me a couple of years. I refused to follow up with what I saw because I don't want to be a hypocrite. I wanted to be 100% in. I don't want to be 50% in and 50% of the world. Yeah, we may not drink. Yeah, we may not party. Yeah, we may, may not take drugs. But we're hating, we're slandering, and these are sins as well. We're hating, we're slandering, we're accusing people, speaking evil of others. These are the same things. Yeah, we don't do the physical things that the world is do- that the world does, but we are not paying attention to the inner things in our heart. We're not paying attention to the hate that's in our heart, to the bitterness that we're spreading to other people, talking about other people, slandering other people. I was in my car in 2017 driving, and I heard the Lord say, friendship with the world is enmity with God. And immediately, I began to Look for excuses. No, Lord, I don't party. I don't drink. I used to do that, but I don't do that anymore. I don't party. I don't drink. I don't do those things that I used to do. So what are you talking about? And the Lord said, or the Holy Spirit in me, nudged at me and said, but you slander others, but you talk about others but you're hating others. Isn't that what the world is doing? And without any excuses, I said, Lord, you're right. Lord, you're right. Remove what's not pleasing to you in me. And that was the moment of my transformation. I began to pay attention to the inner things in my walk with God. Not whether I smoked, whether I drank, whether I partied, how I spoke and so forth. I was paying attention to the inner parts of my body to make sure that I'm saying the right things, to make sure that I'm putting the right things in my body, to make sure that I have a prayer life with the Lord to make sure that I'm reading my word, that I'm sharpening my sword, to make sure that I have my full armor on. And so the Lord began to transform me from the inside out. I know I'm not perfect, but God is working on me every single day. He is examining my life. And if you allow him, he'll examine yours as well. If you allow him today, he'll examine your life as well. God does not like 
when we hate others. God is not pleased when we are bitter towards others. God is not... Matter of fact, God hates when we slander other people, when we talk about people, when we spread rumors. We think it's fun. We think it's... We think it's not just fun, but we think it's pleasing to us, you know, our flesh. But God doesn't like it. God does not want us to speak ill of others or cause ill intent on others. He wants us to get rid of those things. Be holy for I am holy. We are to be sanctified purified in all that we do, in all that we say, in how we behave, and how we conduct ourselves with others. We are to follow in Jesus' footsteps and not be the hypocrites on church on Sunday, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, hating, talking about others, slandering, and so forth. We want to make sure that we're walking in step with the Lord. Now, I'm not just saying this to, to you. I'm not, just, I'm not just preaching this to you. I am speaking to myself. First and foremost, I'm speaking to myself. I'm reminding myself. Because God holds me responsible even more. I'm reminding myself not to do these things. And, and I'm asking God today to help me. I'm asking God to help you to walk this life. It's not easy. It's not an easy life. But with God's help, we can do all things. We can do all things through Christ who gives us the strength. And isn't that the truth? We can do all things through Christ who gives us the strength. Do you believe this today? Thank you once again for joining. God bless you. Stay tuned for the next chapter and take care. Continuation of the book of Luke chapter 11. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. I encourage you to go back um, into my podcast and check out the topic on prayer and I go into details, I go into in-depth about prayer, and I pray it is a blessing to you. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Again, I am reading from New International Version Bible, and you're welcome to correlate your study with any version that you feel comfortable with. I will also be sharing insights alongside with the scripture and pray it is a blessing to you. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. In other words, he said, persist in prayer, persist in asking, persist in petitioning. Persist in giving thanks and praise so that your Father who is in heaven will hear you. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Now this correlates with Matthew 7, 7 as well. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. This is a common sense, right? If you ask, you will be given what it is that you're asking for. If you are seeking enough, you will find. And if you are knocking on the door persistently, the door will be open to you. Which of you fathers, he says, 
If your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So Jesus speaks about prayer, and then he rounds it up to the gift of Holy Spirit. And and he's saying, ask, continue to ask, persist in prayer. Ask, seek, and knock. If you ask enough, if you seek enough, and you will knock enough, the door will be open to you. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. This is a person who could not speak. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. I mean, I would be amazed too if a person who could not speak all of a sudden spoke. But some of them said, by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. They just couldn't accept the fact that Jesus was a miracle worker. Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. It wasn't enough that they're seeing miracles. They want a sign from heaven. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this, because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebub, now if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then... They will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And he gives them this mystery. Uh, You have possibly heard it. I know I heard it before. And I, I couldn't understand it before. I was like, what does that even mean? But he gives us this mystery. He says, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. Stay on guard. Right here. Jesus is saying, stay on guard. Be fully armed in the word of God. Guard your own house. Your possessions will be safe. But if you slumber... If you are distracted, if you stay away from your post, a strong man, stronger than you, right? Someone stronger than you will come in and overpower you. Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. Jesus spoke a lot of mysteries here. When an impure spirit comes out of person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. In other words, a wicked spirit needs a place. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. We don't want to come to that. We want to make sure that our house is swept clean and occupied. We want to invite the Holy Spirit in to occupy that place. So devil has no place in our life. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. He replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey you. What this woman was trying to do, is to shift the focus to the mother rather than the son. And Jesus is saying, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. That's what the importance is, not who birthed me. As the crowds increased, Jesus said, this is a wicked generation. It asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was was assigned to the Ninevites, so also will the Son of Man be to this generation. 
The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with the people of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up at judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now something greater than Jonah is here. It's a mystery. Jesus speaking another mystery. And those that have ears will hear it. Those that have eyes will see it. And this is one of my favorite parables in the Bible. One of the favorites. I have many favorites. But this is one of my favorites because it spoke so, so deeply to my life. No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. He says it's common sense to put the lamp on the table. No one hides the lamp. The purpose for the lamp is to shine. Instead, they put it on its stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is a lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body also is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body also is full of darkness. See to it, then, that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when the lamp shines its light on you. So we want to make sure that our inner part is filled with the light of God. We want to make sure that we are looking at things that are pleasing to God. We want to make sure that we entertain things that are pleasing to God and that we do not entertain evil, that we do not look at evil things, invite evil into our life. We want to invite the light of God into our life. We want to invite life and not death. We want to invite restoration and not destruction. When Jesus was finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not wash, did not first wash before the meal, wash his hands, another version. Matthew 23. The Pharisee noticed that Jesus did not wash his hands. This was the tradition of the elders. This is what they did before they ate. Then the Lord said to them, or to him, Now then, you Pharisee, clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside made the inside also? And this speaks so deeply to me as well, because this principle was demonstrated to me while I was washing dishes. I was washing my cup when the Holy Spirit said, Do you not clean the inside and outside also? And I said, Yeah. Um, I clean the inside of the cup and make sure the whole cup is clean. Um, but what Jesus is saying here is that hypocrites, they only wash the outside of the cup. They don't care to wash the inside, the inner part of themselves. They don't, they don't watch that part. They make sure they look good on the outside. They make sure they dress the part, look the part. They make sure that they look good to people around them. But they don't look and clean the inside, the greed that's filling their heart, the hate, the bitterness, all of that thing, all of that stuff that's inside is not pleasing to God. And we are to go to God and ask him for forgiveness. We are to ask God to cleanse us from the inside out. I like to say from cleanse our, cleanse our hearts from the inside out. It's not that I clean the outside and I forget about my inner side. I want to make sure that I clean from inside out. Once I clean the inner parts of my body, the inner spirit, then I will also go and clean the outer part. And that's the looks and that's 
the position and title and so forth. But now, as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor and everything will be clean to you. And then he lists the vows. I believe it's seven vows to the Pharisee. And Pharisee were these um, teachers of the law. They were these experts in the law. They knew the Bible very well. They did not do what the Bible said. They didn't follow up with the example. They didn't apply what they hear and what they read to their lives. If you are not applying what you're reading, what you're teaching to your life, you are a hypocrite too. We want to make sure that we are applying the scripture to our daily affairs and lives. He goes on to say, and this is a bitter pill to swallow. Woe to you, Pharisee, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. So he says, woe to you, Pharisee. He says, you make sure to give your tithes and offerings, in other words, right? In, in the modern world, you make sure you give a portion. You make sure you divide it right. You, give, you make sure you give the exact amount. But you neglect what's important, justice and the love of God. He says, you must not only do the first, you must do the latter as well. Woe to you, Pharisee, because you love the most important seats in the synagogue and respectful greetings in the marketplaces. You like to be honored. You like to be respected. Woe to you because you are like unmarked graves, which people walk over without knowing. He says, now you are like those graves that people step on without seeing and they fall into it, right? Those, those uh, traps. One of the experts of the law answered him, teacher, when you say these things, you insult us also. In other words, you not only insult, you offend us. In other words, Jesus replied, and you experts in the law, woe to you. Because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry. And you yourself would not lift a finger to help them. And this speaks loud to me as well. Because I overheard a conversation where a person was speaking to someone I love about me. To make sure that I was following particular rules and regulations concerning that church without asking them how I'm doing first. They would make sure that I would do the X, Y, Z, that I would regulate myself and so forth without actually caring for my soul, without actually caring for me first. They put a burdens on people that they themselves cannot carry. They put, they put these unnecessary burdens upon people without lifting their finger first. They're not going to do what it is that they're saying they're going to do. They're going to tell you, do this that way. Make sure you do this that way. But they won't even help you. They won't even advise you. They won't even come around to help you. They're only going to accuse you. Oh, you're not doing this way. Oh, you're eating this way, or you're doing that. And I've lived it. That's why it's so such a hard pill to swallow for me, because I've lived it. And I did not find joy in it. I did not find happiness in it. I did not find satisfaction in it. I was doing things to please other people. And in the end... I was dissatisfying myself. Don't be like the hypocrites. Woe to you 
because you build tombs for the prophets and it was your ancestors who killed them. So you testify and you approve of what your ancestors did. They killed the prophets and you build their tombs. Jesus was speaking right into those situations. He's, he's hitting, hitting on the nail, as they say. He's hitting on the nail. Because of this, God in his wisdom said, I will send them prophets and apostles. Some of them they will kill and others they will persecute. Therefore, this generation will be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets that has been shed since the beginning of the world, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible for it all. Some of the things that have been done by our parents, we are forced to carry on. But we don't have to no longer carry these burdens. We can bring them before the Lord. And it is the Lord who forgives us and our ancestors for all of the iniquities. Woe to you experts in the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered, and you have hindered those who were entering. Jesus is speaking to the teachers, experts in the law. Experts, they knew how to quote the Bible. They knew what it said. They studied the Bible. Because you have taken away the key of knowledge, you yourself have not entered, and you have hindered those who are entering. That is a hard pill to swallow. That is a hard thing to hear. When Jesus went outside, the Pharisee and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions, wanting to catch him in something he might say. They were offended, they were insulted, and they didn't like what Jesus had to say. Jesus spoke truth. It was bitter truth, as they say. They didn't like hearing this. They wanted their ears tickled. They wanted the sugar-coated preaching. Jesus did not play around with, sugar, with sugar-coated preaching. He gave them a pill to swallow. Jesus was concerned for their soul, not how they would perceive him, whether they would accept him or reject him. Jesus was concerned for their soul. And let us apply these scriptures to our daily living. If you have found yourself as a hypocrite, if you have found yourself as one who teaches others without actually Applying that word to yourself, repent and ask God for forgiveness. Ask God to forgive you so that you would be forgiven. Today, today is a day of salvation. I'm not speaking just to you, I'm speaking to myself as well. Examine our areas, Lord. Psalm 139. Examine our areas, Lord. And if there's anything wicked in us, show it to us. Point it out to us so that we may get rid of. Help us to get rid of these things that are not pleasing to you. We fall short of your glory. And we ask, Lord, that you would be the one who shows us. We submit ourselves to you. Search my heart, search my heart God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. This is David speaking. Psalm 139 verses 23 to 24. I pray this was a blessing to you. Thank you for joining my table. God bless you and take care. Luke chapter 12, continuation of our study. I will be reading from New International Version Bible, and you're welcome to follow along with me with a Bible version of your choice. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisee, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, or hidden that will not be made known. 
What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the rooftops, from the roofs. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that can do no more. And he's speaking of the Pharisee, because in chapter 11, he had just rebuked the Pharisee, and they were ready to kill him. But he says, don't be afraid of those who kill the body. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs on your head are numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And right here, this word speaks volumes to my life because this is the very word that had stopped me in my tracks. I was put on trial. Before conver converting to another religion, I was asked a question. And being a new believer in Christ, well, not even a new believer in Christ, I was hypocritical believer, in other words. I wanted to do good, but my flesh overpowered me. My flesh overpowered me because I fed my flesh more than I did my spirit. I did not know my word. I didn't pray. Yeah, I went to church. Yeah, I did the X, Y, Z. Yeah, I, I did go to church faithfully and attended the meetings and so forth, but I did not study my word. I didn't put the full armor on. When I wasn't watching, the enemy came around and he destroyed my life. And this was the moment that he was going to destroy my life too. But the Holy Spirit came and whispered to my soul. My father is known to be a man that knows the Bible. He is he can tell you, he can tell you events from the Bible. He can even take the numbers. He knew he knew the Bible very well, in other words. And so often as a child, I would listen to the stories that my father would teach to us as children. He's a storyteller. And in the midst of our daily life, I remember our father saying, and everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And I never really knew what that meant until that moment when I was put on trial. That moment opened my eyes. So when... The pastor asked me if there is anything that I wanted to say, any kind of questions I had before I was converted to this religion. I said, yes, I have one more question. I said, when I was 16, I received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and that's speaking in tongues. And I said, the way that I received this gift is a miracle because I asked for it and God gave it to me. I said, would I be able to speak in tongues when I join your religion? And immediately, the pastor said, what I would advise you is to stop speaking in tongues. And eventually, that gift that you talk about will go away. I was offended at that moment. But it was too late because I was proceeding with my plans. I wanted to run. I wanted to run. I wanted to leave. But the Holy Spirit held me back. 
And at that moment, these very words spoke to me. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And I had a moment to blaspheme the Holy Spirit at that moment. I had a moment to say, I reject this gift and to convert to that religion. But at that moment, something arose within me, a boldness. It wasn't a boldness that was natural. This boldness came from the Holy Spirit. And I said, I have this gift, and this gift was given to me by my Father in heaven. Though I will become an Adventist at a time, and I'm going to reveal this particular religion for a purpose. Though I will become a Seventh-day Adventist, I will not speak or stop speaking in tongues. I said, I will go forth, but I will not give up this gift because this gift was given to me by my Father in heaven. And the pastor turned around and said, I perceive that you will not be a Seventh-day Adventist for long. And this is exactly what happened. He was right. I did not stay long as a Seventh-day Adventist. God was calling me to a higher ground. God was calling me to my highest calling. But I had to go through religion. I had to go through persecution. I had to go through all of that in order to fulfill my purpose. So I'm standing on the other side today. And I'm saying to you, who's listening, do not blaspheme the Holy Spirit. If you have an opportunity to speak, don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. If you don't understand what you're saying, go to God about it. Don't blaspheme the gift of the Holy Spirit. If he has given it to someone else, then who are you to tell them that it's not from God? Who are you to tell them to shut it down? Who are you to tell them to get rid of it? You're not God. Even if you are a pastor, even if you are a preacher, you're not, a, you're not God. And you cannot tell anyone. And I'm passionate about this because it's my very life that was put on trial. And at that moment, I stood up and I said, I will never give up this gift. And this is the very gift. This is the very gift that has served me in my intercession. This is the very gift that has served me well as an intercessor. I allowed the Holy Spirit to pray on my behalf. And though it sounds gibberish to other people, I know it speaks volumes to my God. God hears me. God hears my prayer. And though others do not understand what I'm saying, God hears what I'm saying. And if today you are blaspheming against the Holy Spirit, you're saying, maybe this gift is not needed. Maybe this gift is not important. Repent. Repent. Because you're not God. Rather, go to God and ask Him. Because I'm sure He gave you or He gave somebody that gift for a reason. Like I said, this gift has served me well in my life as an intercessor. The gift of tongues is very important to a believer. You can go without it, but it's very important to a believer, especially a warrior of Christ. When you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit will pray on your behalf. When you don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit will lead you into all things. Though People do not understand me. God knows what I'm saying. And so today, 
I want you to examine your life as I examine mine and ask God to forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, if we have blasphemed against your spirit. Forgive us, Lord. We do not we do not know what we are doing. We do not understand what it is that we are doing. Thank you once again as we continue on the book of Luke. When you are brought before synagogue rulers and authority, do not worry about how you will defend yourself or what or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. And I live this very scripture. I did not know how to respond. But it was the Holy Spirit who emboldened me to say things. I don't even remember what I said. All I know is that the Holy Spirit was fighting on my behalf. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possession. Before we go into the parable, I wanted to talk about the yeast of the Pharisee. In other words, the teaching of the Pharisee. Man-made rule and traditions. What to do and what not to do. Hypocrisy. These Pharisee, these experts in the law, preachers, teachers, give us rules to follow, but they themselves will not lift a finger to do them. We got to be careful that we don't fall into their teachings and doctrines and so forth that do not benefit our soul, but rather lift us up in pride and arrogance. He says, watch out, be on guard. Stay guarded with the word of God. Have your sword on the side. Be on guard. Have your full armor on. So when the day of evil comes, the day of temptation comes, you will be able to dissect through that situation. You will be able to dissect any lie. You will be able to pierce right through any darkness that try to come your way. And God will help you at the opportune time. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you. Then he said to them, Watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possession. Jesus taught as he walked. He taught principles. He taught rules, regulations, and so forth of the kingdom of heaven. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. Common sense, right? Side note. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whomever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Beware. Beware against greed. Watch out. That the, your life does not consist of abundance in possession. This man's heart was full of greed. He was arrogant. He was prideful. And Jesus said, you don't know. This very night, your life can be taken. Do not store for yourself treasures on earth, but rather in heaven. 
Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. We have heard this many times. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very thing, what? why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of them or these. If that is how God closes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow or thrown out into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan, and this is the world, the unbelievers, would run after such things. And your father knows what you need. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be given to you as well. That's Matthew 6.33. Do not be afraid, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning. Like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come to wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or towards daybreak. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at the hour when you do not expect him. And I'm reminded of the dream I had the coming of the Lord and it was just like any other day I remember just being worried about the cares of life when I came outside and I looked up in the sky and there it was the heaven opened and it was so beautiful the clouds the music the light that shone bright when I looked up I remember thinking this is just like any other day. I was worried about the things of this world. And the day of his coming was near. We have to prepare ourselves for heaven. How do we prepare ourselves for heaven? We follow the instructions that the Lord gave us before he was taken up to heaven. Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? The Lord answered, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that the servant says to himself, My master is taking too long, or a long time in coming, and then he begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk, get carried away, in other words. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at the hour he is not aware of, he will cut him to pieces, and assign him a place with the unbelievers. Remember that show, 
where the boss goes undercover. Nobody knows that he is the boss and he gets to see what everybody's doing. The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten and many blows, with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who had been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. To whom much is given, much is required. We hear this a lot, a lot of times. If God has given you gifts, talents, abilities, that you better use them. To whoever is given much, much is required. I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and what constraint I am under until it is completed. Do not think I come to bring peace on earth. No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in the family divided against each other. Three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, it's going to be hot. It is. And it is. Hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret the present time? Why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? As you are going with your adversary to the magistrate, try hard to be reconciled on the way, or your adversary may drag you off to the judge, and the judge turn you over to the officer, and the officer throw you into prison. I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. This speaks loud as well. Run to the Father. There's a song. I run to the Father. I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Make sure that you run to the Father and you tell him about your mistakes. You tell him about the things you have done. Said so the adversary. The accuser will not run and accuse you before the Father. It's very important. And I pray this was a blessing to you. There's a lot of things that Jesus said to his disciples. Not only is he speaking to the disciples, not only is he speaking to the crowd, he's still speaking to his followers, he's still speaking to the crowd. And we are to pay attention. Thank you once again for joining my table. I know it was a little bit long. Thank you for being patient. Thank you for standing this, staying this long with me on this study. I pray it was a blessing to you and it will change your life. God bless you and take care.